Hey everybody, another quick intro, Riley here. Today on the podcast we have Lynn Hansen, who released Seven Deadly Spins, an album that describes seven murders and their murderers, essentially. Uh, pretty cool concept, we get into it, and uh, she performs twice live in the studio apartment that I live in, um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Toodaloo! This one's called Cecil Hotel. They worked in months Ain't been home in twelve Got myself a room Down at the Cecil Hotel Junkies, whores, and vagabonds Infamous clientele if walls could scream, they would The stories they tell Before I go to sleep at night Pray the devil don't find me dead Say Christopher around my neck Got a Bible near my bed I get down on my knees Pray the devil don't find me dead Will I sleep with one eye open and a shotgun by my head Yeah, I sleep with one eye open And a shotgun by my head Headland, wife and kids Drop buried us in red Every Sunday prayed for rain Got clouds of dust instead Baker tried to take my farm in a rage, I shot him dead I'm gonna burn for what I done, kiss my family and I fled Before I go to sleep at night, pray the devil don't find me dead Say Christopher around my neck, got a Bible near my bed I get down on my knees, pray the devil don't find me dead. Well, I sleep with one eye open and a shotgun by my head. Yeah, I sleep with one eye open and a shotgun by my head. Each morning I made my way. Down to the Sally Ann. I join the food line, try to find some kind of work if I can. I live among the shadows, no beauty for the damned. I spend my days alone, life of a wanted man. Before I go to sleep at night, pray the devil don't find me dead. St. Christopher around my neck, got a Bible near my bed. I get down on my knees, pray the devil don't find me dead. Well, I sleep with one eye open and a shotgun by my head. Yeah, I sleep with one eye open and a shotgun by my head. I sleep with one eye open.
How well received is sort of roots Americana sort of stuff in when you're traveling Europe? Like, is that something that they are big into? Yeah, there's uh, well, there's a real subculture um, in like two of the countries that I've done a lot of playing in is Germany and Holland, and uh, there's a real subculture. They like uh, that Americana type uh, music, and th- sometimes they try to do it, but they don't do it very well. And it's it's weird. It's like uh, there's certain types, like cer- certain um, I think there's a fundamental base of listening that ha- occurs in a culture that creates a certain sound, and it's an authentic sound. And you can't really replicate it. It's sort of like the the opposite part is how well pop is done in, in say Europe, and then it kind of has came over here. Mm-hmm. It's the sort of same thing. So you've got that blues and, and Americana and that rootsy kind of stuff. It's done really well over here because this is where it was born yeah. in terms of like in mountain Delta, music and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, so they, they, I think there's a, there's a real subculture over there that they just, they, they love that style of music and we do it better than anybody else. So when we come over there, go over there, they really like it. And then in, uh, in the UK, it tends to be the storytelling stuff. Like such a tradition of storytelling, so um, like I tell stories in between songs, and plus even my my lyrics and songs themselves, they tend to have a lot of depth to them as far as that story component, and so it goes over really well as far as those uh, the, the lyrics. Is I get the most comments about lyrics in the UK than yeah. I do anywhere else. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's kind of surprising. Like to hear that there's a subculture in like Germany, for example. Yeah. When I think of music in Germany, I'm thinking of like heavy, like metal, like goth, the crowd uh, rock. Yeah, yeah. crowd rock, exactly. And there is a ton of that for sure. There is a total ton of that. But but yeah, there was. I played a country music festival once in Berlin. Wow, that <laughs> yeah. boggles my mind. I know, and it and it it was the most bizarre thing in that i never saw so much cowboy stuff like people wearing cowboy stuff like cowboy hats cowboy boots japs like the whole nine yards oh shit i mean like, like i'm walking around in my shit kickers because like just because the, they're the boots that i'm wearing i should have right? worn my shit kickers today. yeah and then but it was so funny because i'm looking around going like your boots are way nicer than mine like that's wild no i, I can't believe that. that's really like mind-boggling I'm yeah just- really surprised to hear that because yeah. as i said that's just not what i associate with germany like as far as music goes i mean yeah like you said crot rock i mean that's what i'm used to hearing right there but yeah, yeah. i never would have guessed in a thousand I years know. that they have a country music festivals there yeah they totally do and and they they do bluegrass in in holland which again you're just, really <laughs> and they do Fuck, i gotta get out more <laughs> i know i know but but again like the, the the stuff that you would expect for sure there's like big huge festivals and and that's what you'd expect but what's really interesting too is uh you you I'm, I, I like a lot of the times i'll get slotted into country or whatever and i'm i'm not really country but i just what i'm not gonna fight it uh twang i guess but um then you get over there and you like I remember how, especially in Holland they'll say these kinds of things to you they'll say like I really don't like country music but I like what you do <laughs> you know and and that's the funny thing is that they'll be kind of open to listening to it so I, I think this time when we go over in June I'm playing what's called a blues festival of some kind and I'm not, certainly not a blues act I mean I've I've you know I've played blues fest here and it's I've done I've opened for real blues artists before and it does it tends to go over well just because it, it's a sort of a cross it crosses a bunch of genres so it does fit for people's ears it's not that much of a stretch but it is funny because it's like yeah it's blues festival and I'll be playing a blues festival and over there in Germany <laughs> okay well I mean I've listened to a lot of blues like 
like for years now and like yeah your music isn't traditional blues that like robert johnson kind of no. style but there's definitely aspects of blues within your music yes and so i mean i can understand how it can get put into that category but yeah I mean, like what would you what do you label yourself as i mean like Americana. Yeah, I tend to call it Americana. Yeah, I tend to call it Americana just because it, if it's called if you call it folk, it's got too much grit for folk. And so if you say like, "Oh, I'm a folk artist," people kind of go, "Well, no, you're not." And then uh, I'm certainly not a country artist because it's just it's not that. It's again, there's too much. Uh, the storytelling tends to be a little too um, in your face to be classified as country. Some of the stuff that I write for sure falls in a country, but Americana is probably the most accurate category. And that Americana tends to, like, it tends to be that crossover of like, it incorporates elements of bluegrass and blues and a little bit of rock. You know, you've got that little, that sort of heavy one, two, three, four, you know, um, and it's got that kind of feel, but it's not any of these other things. Yeah. It's funny because it is one of those, it's, it's a, I guess, like you call it as as hard. It's 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 cherry picking different elements from uh, other genres. It's not like a fusion genre, but there are different elements in it. And it's funny to see how Americana evolves as those other genres uh, evolve. Like you know, rock went from classic rock to whatever. Like there's there's you're constantly it's picking up new influences as these other things are evolving as well. And so you know, maybe in a few years we will see something from you know. Uh, uh, the blues fest over in Holland, but uh, like <laughs> it's a, it, it's nice, and I think that's something that's a it's a it's great because it really reflects sort of how uh, I guess American music is made. Is it's it's always just you're picking up on different influences and you're making them your own in some way. Well, I I think too the uh, like there there was an artist. Um, so I got compared to an artist early on in my career, and I never even listened to her. But I, we probably listened to the same people. Mm-hmm. We had some of the same background, and and there's differences and then similarities. And I I think that's sort of the thing that you get maybe uh, with them. Like in North America, we are exposed to so much different kinds of music and so much different culture that it does like you like we were talking about earlier. You know, like I liked uh, I like ABBA. <laughs> but then I like you know it's on the record now. Yeah, I like, heard uh, there's a video out there of you. And then, yeah, and then I like I like Hank Williams, and then I like some blues artists, and and all these things make their way in, and the way that it makes its way into your music tends to be like maybe there's a little element of a hook that I'm open to including in some of my songs that is because I like some elements of pop music, you know, and it's not a it's not for me it's not a pure thing it's it's a like a melding of a lot of different styles and approaches. Now that's interesting because uh, how do you, how do you ensure that you are doing it in a way that it's coming through as a unique to you? Uh, like you can take so many different influences from so many different people, you, but at some point you have to put it through the prism of your own artistry. And how do you how do you make sure? Like what is when did you do when when did you have your own sound? Like when did you know that this was sort of your? I've put my stamp on them. This is my sort of sound. This is my grit. This is my uh, this is my output. Uh, well, it's a tendency, I think. Um, there's a, like, there's a, and when you listen to, even if you go all the way back to see, like, my first album, there's a tendency that is consistent across all of those records. And uh, some of it is the probably the attention to detail when it comes to lyrics. Because, like, I consider myself to be a poet. Um, like, I write haikus. You know, this is my, this is my thing that I've been doing. I've been, I've been writing haikus and 
I do them. I post them on Friday. They call them my Friday haikus, and people follow me for my Friday haikus. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I, I'm first and foremost, I consider myself to be like a, a writer. And so I think that there's sort of that those two sort of consistent elements going through across every style of song, no matter no matter whether it's got a really swampy feel or it's got a bluesy feel or if it's even a country ballad, is it's that attention to the the lyrics. Like every single word matters. And so there does tend to be a lot of density as far as the lyrics are concerned, even if there's not a lot of words. Um, and then just like um, the tendency, the musical tendency, which tends to be where you, even in your, in your phrasing or your cadence, where you, where you stop, where you pause, where you put your emphasis in terms of the rhythm, um, where that up, like for me, there's a lot of up to the rhythm, like an upstroke. Yeah. And, and it's that tendency that tends to go all the way through the music. And that gives you your, I think, your unique sound. Um, and then, of course, just even just just this, the nature of your own voice, right? I mean, you have your range and this is what you work your melodies around. It's like, this is the range I have. So this is my tendency, uh, melody-wise, is to go, to go to these notes, sort of use this emphasis. Yeah. And it also, I listen to a lot of... Um, like I listen to a lot of bluegrass and a lot of jazz, and so I tend to hear notes that maybe aren't wouldn't be the first choice of this style of music. So you know, you, typically the vocalist would go to the one, they would go to the root of that chord over that particular, you know, in, in that melody. Whereas I'll I'll hear the third, and it's just a little bit different, and that's what's that's what says this is me. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I, I like that you referenced the density of your lyrics. Is I remember. Uh, I was, Adam and I were listening to Seven Deadly Spins and one of the songs came on and I go, Jesus, I hope this isn't autobiographical. Like it was just like, it was dense and it was dark and it was... Um, <laughs> so uh, I guess uh, following up on that... <laughs> Sleeping with one eye open and the shotgun <laughs> under her bed. Yeah, yeah. See uh, slow tell. <laughs> let, let's, talk, uh, let's talk about the germination of a song. How does it begin? Is it the lyrics? Is it the music? Is it... Uh, Hey, what's your process like? Probably 90% of the songs I create start out on a, as a melody idea on a guitar. So it's just, it's like a little riff. I'll riff around, around a melodic idea. Um, that being said, like a song like Cecil Tell that you were talking about, uh, that was written, the lyrics were all written separate and apart from the guitar. And that actually is a more difficult process for me if I... If I write a song without having the music in mind and then I have to add it after the fact, it's just like such a foreign thing for me to not be doing the two things at the same time. So probably probably the bulk of what I do is, is it's usually a fragment. It's like an idea, a piece of a phrase. And then I'll sit down with the guitar with that piece of a phrase and I just, like I'll sit for eight, nine hours and just keep working it. And it just, it's like spinning a thread or a web or something. It just gets bigger and bigger and it develops and it changes and then the melody might completely be different at the end of the day, but the process is sort of like it's like a symbiotic process. The two things sort of step forward together. That's really cool. When you're working out melodies, when you're working, out, how do you develop the story in the songs? Because there's a lot of I would like you take us from point A to point B, and you, you don't let us forget that there's a point in the middle that just gets really dark, and then sometimes there's redemption, sometimes there's not. Uh, so. If you're if you're doing melody and sort of the guitar work all at the same time, how how are you developing these stories? Does that come sort of afterwards? Is that um, is that something that you have to step back from for a bit? Like how how does how do that how do those stories develop? 
they develop as they develop sort of as pictures in my head. Uh, it's like watching a movie for me. So that's that's why there's probably an awful lot of imagery in my lyrics. Like you can actually see, like if you're listening to the words and you're watching the lyrics, you can you can see the image in your head if you close your eyes. At least that's my hope. Um, and that's because that's what I see when I'm writing. I can actually like. I can actually see the character, you know, that I'm writing about. I can see him. I can describe him to you. You know, he's got like a dusty jacket on and his jeans have holes in them. And he's got big construction boots on and, and he's got a beard and he's, you know, he's got some gray in that beard. I, I can, I could describe him to a T. Adam, you're in one of her songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost checked my pants because I'm usually like, I wear a pair of jeans with holes in them. Yeah, but it's it's funny because my character is it's like I can see them. And even if it's the song may not even talk about a person, but I can see the people, I can see the room, I can see everything about it. And so that tends to be what's like what's driving the process as it moves forward is my ability to actually visualize what I'm writing about. Even if it's a concept Behind the concept, there is an image in my head. Now, uh, if we can get one question from my mother, uh, it would be, why so dark? <laughs> <laughs> well, my flippant answer is always, if I'm happy, I'm outliving. And if I'm not feeling very good, then I'm writing. Because for me, uh, you know, writing is a, and expressing through music is, like, music saved my life. It really has. You know, it's been there for me some through some very, very dark times. And so it tends to be that I... Uh, you know, that I I will sit down and when I am working something out, that that's when I'm writing. Even my haikus, like they started out traditional, like they were sort of the traditional nature thing. And, and then I one day I woke up and I started writing like me and all of a sudden my haikus became the way I write. And and people could see the difference, you know. It's like you, it's a different way of writing a haiku because it's taking it away from the traditional form uh, or the traditional purpose. But it's... You know, it's it's very difficult for me to write happy songs because that's not that's not why I write. If I want to write something, it's because I have something to say. And typically, if I have something to say, it's because I've observed something or I've lived something. And so it is. Again, I, I think I'm, I always joke. I think I have one happy song, and it's not really <laughs> that happy. <laughs> um, I think I read somewhere you started playing guitar around 14 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when did you start recording after that? Like, or like when did you decide like I'm gonna I want to be a musician and you know, like a lot, a lot of what I have done career-wise is just I fell into backwards. Like it's never been with intent. Like uh, I was, I was playing with my, I was playing guitar with my ex. So he was, you know, he was finding his band or whatever, and then I was playing rhythm guitar and singing. And then as that kind of tanked, I started writing my own songs. And then, you know, people said, "Oh, I like them," and then encouraged me. And then I put out a record, and then people reviewed it, and it just kind of snowballed like that. And it's never been, uh, I mean, I certainly have, um, you know, career goals and approaches to, because you have to in terms of, especially if you're self-managing your own career. But it's never been like, oh, I woke up one day and said, like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I want to write music and play it. And I want to tour around and, and play songs in front of people. And it's never been like that. It's just sort of been, I create and then it goes out there. And that's kind of kind of been what's happened. Yeah, it just happened that way. Right. It's, I mean, it's proven to do very well for you. I mean, mm-hmm. in 2010, you won the Colleen Peterson Award. Yeah, songwriting that's award. That's pretty yeah. impressive. Good for you. 
that's what through the Ontario Arts Council. I yes, think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean that's great accomplishment. And I mean you've had other nominations and awards since then. And yeah, I don't I don't give too much uh, credence to awards. I mean, if anybody wants to give me one, I'll take it. Yeah, but uh, and it, I think it's well, it, you were about to win Stonehall Sessions Miss Congeniality, <laughs> but we will just take that back. <laughs> Well, this is the thing, right? I mean, it's like reviews. You can read them if you want. But don't take them too seriously, right? Yeah. Because it, it, it'll cut you uh, one way or the other. And uh, I'm really of the opinion, the, the worst writing I've ever done is when I have critics in my room with me. So in other words, when I actually pay attention or I care what anybody else thinks about what I do and my attempt to be a, a writer. And so... Okay, and I, I, it doesn't mean that I don't respect the people that write critiques and that do all these things. I do. I mean, you, you have a role to play in this whole music business thing. I just prefer to keep it separate from from my creative process and and who I am as a person and everything else. So, I don't, I don't tend to look at like I don't at the end of the I'm, at the end of the year I don't look and say like so what have I accomplished this year? Some people like to do that kind of thing. I, I don't tend to. It's it's about right now. It's like, what am I doing right now? And hopefully right now I'm writing the best song I've ever written in my entire life. And then tomorrow I'll try to write a better song. And that's really like the only reason I do this. And then everything else just kind of, you know, it just, what happens, happens. Yeah. But again, if somebody wants to give me a Grammy, I will put it up on my... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think one of the things that I like um, about, for me... I just, I love listening to your lyrics. And I think one of the things it is for me is you're making things so specific for these characters, but you're also, you're also intertwining universal, in, in a lot of cases, fears that everybody has. Like you sort of, you prey upon my soul a lot in Seven Deadly Spins. And I'm not sure how I feel about that, but um, how, how do you, is there a, is there a, is there a process that you go through to make sure that something's not too personal to a character that it doesn't relate to everybody? Or is that... Is it how how do you how do you make sure or how do you know when something you're writing about it will resonate with other people? Well, I mean that again. I think that that sort of goes back to what we were talking about. I don't give it a ton of consideration, but at the same time, you know, I'm like I I attempt to write capital T truth, and so I, I, there, there's those fundamental things that we we can relate to like you know, love or fear or disappointment or, or anything, you know, like struggling with life. Every human being has to go through all of these things. And, and even with Seven Deadly Spins, you know, the concept of, of killing and, and redemption and, and, and murder. I mean, these are, there's a reason we have murder mysteries and, and movies because it's a part of being human that rage and everything that goes in behind that. And so to explore some of these concepts through song, um, I think that the most specific character song story, like story song, uh, it could be very specific to a, a particular character and yet have a universal truth to it. And then a very generic character may, may not appeal to people at all. And I think it just, it really depends on your ability to sort of, again, capture that, that universal meaning behind something, and like, what do what do we talk, what do we write about the most? Right, love, because everybody everybody feels love, whether it's the good side or the bad side of it. And I mean, there's probably ninety percent of the music out there is, is actually about love. Well, even if it's death metal, it's about love, right? Yeah. And I and I think uh, again, whether it's uh, 
love between two people, whether it's, you know, loving yourself, whatever the case might be. And by loving yourself, I mean that in a, like a non, <laughs> a very PG kind of way. <laughs> I mean, like. <laughs> oh, we need to start making these video podcasts. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah the listening audience can know that I just turned really red. Yeah, I was just going to say, I haven't seen your face this red all day. <laughs> well, I usually paint myself into a corner that badly. Mom, turn off the podcast. Jeepers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's just one of the seven deadly spins. <laughs> that's right. Uh, when did you start writing seven deadly spins? Um, I started writing it um, about last year, about this time, actually. Uh, I did like maybe a couple months before. Um, yeah, because I remember I, I were, we were out touring. Uh, we were out touring out west, and I was writing for it at that point. But it was a really short process. I mean, it's only seven songs, and uh, basically took me about four months to write for it. All right. I, I don't know if it's if it's a coincidence or if it was planned, but I, I noticed it was released on Halloween. October thirty first. Yes, was that, <laughs> that was important. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Wasn't sure if that was like some weird little marketing ploy, or yeah. Well, I mean, it was just there was no other way to do it, right? I mean, you can't put a murder record out and not put it out on Halloween. The cover art to that album is beautiful, by the way. Yeah, I that's love uh, that. Michael Zuvaki. Uh, he, he illustrated. Uh, he did the illustrations, and he's he's done some posters and stuff for me. Um, and he's a wonderful uh, graphic guy. And um, I was really lucky that he he just he 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 liked the concept, and he was you know sort of fascinated by it, and so he was willing to do the graphics for it, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah looks perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what new elements were you bringing to this? Uh, obviously, a lot more murder. But um, what made it seem appropriate now at this place in your career to start to do Seven Deadly Sins? Like, what what was new? What had you discovered about yourself? Or what was different? What was new? Because you say that every day, you know, uh, you wake up and you try to make the best song possible. And then the next day you wake up and try and beat that song. What were what was it about these songs that you, you need to record? Well... I, I joke around a lot. I uh, had been joking around a lot when I was playing shows. Um, I was over in Europe and I was like, yeah, this is a murder song. I try to put one on every record. So, of course, somebody eventually is going to come up to me and he does. He says, uh, well, you should put out a whole album of them. Don't just put out, you know, just don't put out a record with one on each one. Put out a whole murder album. And I looked at him and I said, uh, yeah, I'll do that. And I was just kidding. And then I, I think I was back in my hotel room and I thought, I could call it seven deadly spins. <laughs> and as soon as you name something, you know, you give it a name, then you have to do it. And so then it was a challenge because writing seven songs, and I wanted them to be seven new songs, like to write seven songs specifically for like a thematic album and not have them be repetitive. And and somehow you're going to have to put something together that's going to work. Like seven songs are going to have to be able to work together. So it was it was really a challenge and uh it, it's a, it, it's funny as a writer I think that's sometimes that's it's um it's almost more fun to do a project like Seven Deadly Spins because it is like so specific because it's harder it you you've all of a sudden you've narrowed this the field considerably it's like okay it has to be like a murder song or a song of reckoning like it's, it's going to have to be in this idiom and you know, I can't have them all sounding the same and they can't be like all like the same, like 
just let's have some, you know, some woman kill some guy or something because he did a wrong. Like, I can't do seven <laughs> of those because that's boring because yeah. they're all going to be together. So it was a, yeah, it was a really big challenge. And uh, when I was, I was down in Nashville over Christmas and I wrote a couple Christmas songs with somebody and people have been asking me for years to do a Christmas album. So you figure the next theme is probably I'll have to do a Christmas record. That's going to be an awkward back from murder to Christmas. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a beautiful blend. Yeah, Especially like when people look it up on your Wikipedia page. Okay. So seven deadly. Sp- oh no. And then a Christmas album. And then a Christmas al- album. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only a couple of tunes into that, so it, it, it won't be coming out this year or anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a relief to to get the seven deadly spins done, though, because I, I had six songs and then I didn't have that seventh song. And, and I was going into studio like on Monday and on Saturday, I still didn't have that seventh song. And that's when I wrote Cecil Hotel and I had just had my knee operated on. So I was in excruciating pain. I couldn't bend it. I was like sitting and I had to use a practice guitar because I couldn't sit with it. And that's when I wrote the lyrics separate from the music. And I was panicking because I'm thinking, oh, shit, I don't know how I'm going to come up with, like, I don't know how I'm going to come up with this finished song. And it, but somehow it just, it just kind of all pulled itself together. That's Some, funny. That's my favorite song in the whole album. They hear you just threw it together and like. It was really quick. <laughs> Fuck, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> I was going to ask as well if the hotel you were staying at at the time was called the Cecil Hotel. Well, the, the, there actually are two Cecil Hotels that I'm aware of. One is in L.A. and there was there was a really creepy murder that happened there. And then there uh, there was a Cecil Hotel in Calgary. And it's the, there's a, if you've ever been to Calgary, there's a great big huge building on the blue building on the corner of like third and fourth. And uh, I've gone by it lots of times. And I and I was reading about Cecil Hotel. And uh, the last year of its operation, there were like 1,700 phone calls to police. So you can imagine what kind of a place Jeez. this hotel is, right? It's it's the kind of place it that people, you don't, yeah, you don't you don't want to live there. And, and people would live there like week to week, right? And so uh, I was reading about this hotel and I had the image of the hotel in my head. And of course, I, I kept picturing like older style pictures, like from the 30s and 40s or whatever, like that tended to be the sort of theme. So I had a particular character that would pop into my head associated with that time frame. And then I picked, like, then I, in my head, I, I started to think about, you know, you'd, you'd have to make some pretty bad decisions to have to live there. And that's when I came up with this character who, you know, he's, he's on, a, on his farm and he, he kills the banker who, who's coming by to, to collect money he doesn't have. And he just, it, but I really, I really wanted in that song, I wanted to capture the loneliness that person would feel so it wasn't about the murder it was the loneliness that person would feel from having you know killed somebody and then be on the run and never be able to see his family again and always have to be alone and always be afraid to be recognized and and how awfully lonely you would feel and that was the sound that I ended up with on that second day to come up with the melody and and the guitar part was just like something just incredibly hauntingly lonely and that's why we went with the trumpet, the pocket trumpet for the, the, the lone sort of color instrument on the recording. That leads right into my next question, which was for you, what makes a sympathetic killer? Because like, all your protagonists, you know, in some way or another, are involved with murder. What makes a sympathetic? How do you get into that headspace? How do you like, what is it about these people that you, you want to explore? Well, I think... I, I think the motivating factor for me behind initially sort of writing these murder songs was I wanted a female approach to writing a murder song because there were all these bluegrass songs out there that guys had written and a lot of them it was like, you know, guy hits girl over the head and she kills her and stuff. And it, it tended to be very violent towards women and 
and it, it didn't end well, right? And then, uh, I mean, there's certainly examples like with Janie's Got a Gun, where Aerosmith. with Aerosmith, yeah. So, you, so songs like that, you have sort of like these women taking back their power, right? So, to be honest, when I first did it, it was about the revenge component. And, but then I, you know, when I was doing Seven Deadly Spins, it was about sort of just trying to capture a moment in time, whether it was just like with, with Mama said, it was like this character, I'm trying to create somebody who's so bad he's so evil even his mother doesn't love him like even his mother thinks he should die right so he's waiting to die and so can you imagine that you could be such a dark character that even your mother doesn't love you anymore because it's how you know the mother always loves no you know i'm sure you know he's such (laughs) a love you to the day day you die he did the best (laughs) ambient music i ever heard yeah right up until that moment and (laughs) i might not like his beard but i still love myself yeah (laughs) So, yeah, but so it's funny, though, because uh, with an album like that, you know, I was kind of trying to explore different facets of, you know, a killer or or a killing. So I think some of the lighter tunes, you know, if you can call them light, uh, but they are <laughs> like Black Widow's kind of funny. It's very tongue in cheek. You know, you get this woman who's a gold digger and it's easier to write a song like that than it is to write, say, Cecil Hotel or Mama Said, because those are really that's about trying to get your own head into the head of killer and and some element of that you know that action and and a component of it and i always think of mama said is it's the most disjointed of my films you know because it's like if if the frame was 70 frames long i only used seven frames (laughs) there's only seven and and they're little pieces of it's almost like a picasso like approach to trying to sketch out this character because it's very incomplete and yet it, it gives you a picture of this really bad person that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed that question. <laughs> Which one of your characters in these songs did you find most agreeable? The one that you like the most, want to be friends with if they hadn't killed somebody? Oh, I was the fellow from Cecil Hotel, for sure. He's my favorite character. And I, it's my favorite song on the record. Um, it's uh, I, I find him to be very sympathetic because who can't? who can't relate to uh, you know being pushed too far mm-hmm. and then and then the regret of something that you might do when pushed too far it's such a human thing to do and it's so understandable and yet you know there are always consequences and and so you know move it away from move it away from murder it's that's the most extreme example but anything that we do as human beings right like you you know, you, you you react to something in an emotional state and then you have to live with the consequences. And then sometimes it's, you know, breaking up a relationship or whatever the case may be. And it's like, damn, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I had just walked away. You know, I wish I had just walked around the block for a minute and then come back and, and dealt with it. So I, I find that's he's probably the most he's the character that I he's the character I would most want to sit down and talk to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Definitely not the guy in Mama's head. <laughs> I don't like him very much. <laughs> I like the character in uh, your last song. Uh, ah, shit. First one's free. First one's free. Thank you. Uh, mutton chops, yeah. snakeskin suit. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's funny because earlier when you were talking about the the man with the beard and the construction boots and the ripped jeans and all that, I thought for sure you were going to start talking about that man in last one's free. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was just sort of, there's as we've talked more and more about your album it's really interesting to hear all these different characters and how they're coming from 
you know, your mindset and uh, just, you know, with being being written within a period of like four and a half months and yeah. just it's all coming out and you've created a story in this album and within each song and it's really interesting to hear it and I'm a big fan of it personally. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's yeah. good. I like that. Yeah, I tend to be a very streaky writer, so I tend to write in spurts. So I know for River Sand, the record that happened before this one, um, you know, I had probably four songs and I and then I, 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 you know, I was going in studio in November and, and I just like September, October, November, I put out, you know, six or seven extra other songs, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is when they're going to go on a record because you're going to have throwaway stuff, right? You're not going to keep everything that you do. And so to produce that volume of songs that it's like, yeah, I could stand behind those. It is actually quite a lot. And that's what I found when I was down in, I was down in Nashville. I did two co-writes and I did two writes, two songs on my own. And, and it's, it's in about a two or three week period. And that's, that's a lot. And especially when you look at and go, and I'm going to keep these ones, <laughs> you know, these aren't throwaways. I, I had a couple that I, I don't like, but, um, the, the four that I have, I really do like them. You just let them simmer for a couple of years and see what happens. No, some are not. Some, <laughs> some you, you always. Ha- I've learned now that you have to finish the song, but some, some songs are not savable. Like yeah. I feel bad for them. I feel so bad for them. I feel like I'm sorry, but and sometimes I can steal from them. Like I'll steal a single line from my own song. It's like I hate you. <laughs> but I love that you. line. I'm going to t- yeah. I'm going to take that one line. And I'm going to use it somewhere. And I certainly have done that before. But yeah, I used to not finish songs, which I think is counter- counterproductive because you do have to complete the thought. Because even if you go back and you rewrite a song, like it's a completely different song, but you're rewriting it. In other words, like I've written the same song ten times, but nine of them sucked. And then the one that I kept was like, yeah, I finally said it the right way. But I was trying to write the same song nine different times or ten different times. Let's talk about uh, after you get in there, you've sort of done uh, the melody. You figured out sort of the way the song's going to go. You figured out your characters. You, you've cast everybody in the film. Um, what is what is it about the instrumentation, or do you look for things in the instrumentation, like when you're filling it out, when you're adding drums, bass, uh, different things? I know uh, earlier you said. You know, we had to have that uh, pocket trumpet mm-hmm. to make sure that it uh, really landed home. I, do those considerations go through your mind when you're first doing a track? Or is it something that uh, on a more uh, sort of studio level that you have to come in and say? It happens in the studio. Uh, Lynn Miles produced uh, River Sand and Seven Deadly Spins. And that collaboration in studio as well. And I uh, Phil uh, Shabova, who's the engineer, he also has quite a bit of input you know when you're working on these things especially from the like he lays down the drums i give i tend to give free reign to the player in other words you hire great players and then let them interpret your own your tunes and then you typically will get the best product because they invest because they're being allowed to give their own twist on it right and they're experts on their instrument um so you're okay giving away your baby like that oh yeah i mean i always have i always have a last say so, I mean, there's, you know, the, like I certainly, and I certainly have overridden decisions. Like, no, that's not, I don't like that. I know I wanted, you know, I don't want that guitar part or I really want piano on this. No, I really want piano on this. I remember there was like, there was a song off of River, uh, River Sand called uh, Color My Summer's Blue. And I knew I wanted piano even before I went into studio because it's like, I could, could, because I could picture the character. 
And the character was like literally sitting in the corner playing on some old upright dusty piano and he was drunk when he was doing it. And that's just the sound that I wanted, right? Um, sometimes it's really specific like that for me. Uh, but part of the benefit to working with a producer or somebody else um, is you do, as a songwriter, get very locked in, you know, to a concept or very locked into the way that, especially because I play them live, I might get very locked into the way it's played with my band or something. And so the benefit of having producers is that they can come in and say, well, you know what? Like on uh, Black Widow, what if we don't use a bass? What if we use t- uh, tuba? <laughs> and then you get that. Boom, 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 That's boom. what I played in school. <laughs> yeah. And then you get that kind of swampy New Orleans mm-hmm. type dirgy yeah. kind of feel to a song that wouldn't have been there if you, you know, if you didn't make that call. And it's, it's I never played with a tuba player, so it's not something I would have thought of. <laughs> No, I like that a lot. Um, were, were there any points where you insisted on some sort of instrumentation to reflect a character? Like, is it, does it go that deep for these sorts of things? Uh, well, sometimes it's a sound. Sometimes it's a sound for sure. Like, yeah. uh, there's things, especially, it tends to be a process of elimination for me. It's like, I don't like that. That's not capturing the right the right feel or the right, especially with the guitar, like, uh, like the electric guitar parts. A lot of the times I'm very particular about what I'm going to want to hear or just like, it's just an approach. Right. And like this sound to me, you know, it, it lets me see my character. And then if they're playing this way, it just like, I don't see it. And so the movie doesn't work. <laughs> it's like the it's like the soundtrack to my movie is not working. <laughs> Uh, how has he, what has the reception to Seven Deadly Sin, Spins? Woo, spins been like. It's good, actually. Surprisingly good. Like when I put it out, I was a little worried people were going to think I was a creepy. <laughs> like, you did a what? You did, and actually, it was funny because my Lynn uh, Miles, who produced River of Sand, when I told her I want to do a record on um, this murder album, she's like, so you put out River of Sound, it does really well, and then you're going to do this? Are you insane? Are you just like, do you want to shoot your own career in the head? Um, but I put it out and... It's uh, actually what one of the characters did. The- yeah, well, this is it. But it was, it's, it's funny because uh, I wasn't going to do any media around it. I did very little in North America. I did some, but not much. But, uh, you know, there was a guy in the UK and he's like, yo, give me copies and I'll get it to the press. And he got me all these reviews and it was well received. And, and I was really surprised because I didn't think people were going to dig it. And especially like when I'm playing live, like I figured like women are th- going to think I'm creepy <laughs> and, they, you know, no women is ever going to buy these this record, right? Because you look at it, it's got blood on it. Uh, mm. It's like killing. Uh. And I'm shocked at how many women love this stuff. They love, they love the record. I get, I get prob- probably as many women buying the record as men. Which is surprising because I tend to, I tend do tend to sell more uh, to guys yeah. just because it's tougher music and just tends to appeal more, and uh, they like they love it. They love the I think they love the power that's given over to uh, to my characters. It's because again, it's not it's not an, an album of gory killing or it doesn't it doesn't in any way romanticize um, you know uh, uh, revenge. Mm-hmm. It it really is about. Um, positioning a story and then also do wrapping it up in in sort of pretty heavy groove so it, it's kind of like it tends to appeal way more than i thought it would i was yeah. i was very surprised you're speaking for a lot of women on it i, I think <laughs> you know like they're just like you're saying what they all kind of want to say or want to like do i hope not jeepers well you never know there's some <laughs> crazies out there 
Well, it's but it is about it, it is about taking you know taking your own voice back too, like to not be afraid to say like, yeah, I'm a woman and I put out a murder album. Yeah, you know, because it is something like you know, there's been a couple guys. I think Nick Cave did one. There's a few few examples out there, and it does tend to be like you know, you expect it to be death metal or something, and they certainly wouldn't expect me to put out this record, yeah. and yet it, it worked, and you know, people don't think I'm creepy. <laughs> they don't fuck with me either, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, we're sitting far enough. <laughs> How much, uh, was there any bearing on sort of the genre that you write in onto the fact that you started doing? Uh, because like a, a lot of these songs, you can sort of see them as, you know, old swampy tunes. Like they they could sort of come out of a lot of different points at a lot of different times. How much did operating in this genre sort of influence the fact that you would do, you know, seven murder songs? Well, I mean... I, I played in a bluegrass band. I always joke, I played with, in a bluegrass band for a month till they kicked me out. And then I started writing my f- murder songs. But there really is a tradition of murder ballads, in, especially in bluegrass music. And so, you know, if you do listen to any of that older country or, or bluegrass um, and blues as well, there's lots and lots of material there. Uh, so I, I think the fact that this is kind of you know where i've done a lot of listening certainly had a huge impact in terms of my my willingness and even just familiarity with you know wandering into that territory and and being willing to take that on because i think again if you know if, if i hadn't been exposed to a lot of murder ballads i probably wouldn't have tried them yeah and i also listened to uh, i was listening to quite a bit of tom waits which is where some of the some of the real weird stuff came from like the some of the lyrics and Run, Johnny, run. We were definitely inspired by listening to some weirdness from Tom Waits because, you know, he has such a way of putting words next to each other that have no business sitting next to each other. <laughs> so I think there's a line in Run, Johnny, run. It was my favorite line. It was like, uh, Jesus melting on the wall, trying not to scream. And <laughs> it was like, it was definitely, <laughs> definitely inspired by, you know, listening to Tom Waits because you just, I could just, I, I could picture I could picture, you know, you've got this house that's on fire and I'm picturing the walls. And of course, you know, I was raised Catholic, so I can I can see what would be on the walls, right? <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, I'm yeah, the cross then above the bed. And all of a sudden Jesus I pictured this crucifix and... melting and then it's like, oh my God. But to but to be willing to put those words next to one and not next to each other and be very comfortable with it was again probably uh, you know, you, you listen to there there's certain artists I think that you listen to as a writer that sort of give you license to do things that you might otherwise think like, oh, I can't say that or I can't put those words together. And then it's like, you know what? Yes, I can. Yeah. And then it and then it and it works. And all of a sudden it becomes a part of your phrasing and your language to be able to talk like that. And uh for, you know, the first one's free it was similar to just some of the uh you know, some of that imagery is it's pretty out there. And it, it didn't have to be as concrete for me. Like all the all the phrases, they didn't have to be like they didn't it didn't have to be so clear the relationship between from one phrase to another. The 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 verse was the picture. So one phrase to the next didn't necessarily have to make as much so much sense. And it's like you start to improv it's almost like free jazz with words, if that makes sense. I, well, I guess, you know, Burroughs did it by cutting up his, like just entire pages he did. And then Bowie did that. That's that was his big like the way he wrote a lot of things. He 
even uh, had a program written for him on like early Macintosh computers where he just put in lines and then it would just sort of smush it in different ways for him. And then he'd sing that and that's why. Yeah. But it does, it comes up with, uh, and this is probably something that's indicative, uh, or this isn't probably something, this is something that's very indicative of your stuff is there is an incredible amount of imagery that sticks with you that uh, maybe it is uh, partially because it's all uh, murder music, which shouldn't be a genre that we start up, but um, it, it's all like, it's haunting imagery. It, it's stuff that stays with you. Um, it, it's imagery that stays with you, but also you've given these characters reasons why they did these things. And so it, it adds like an extra layer of just being, Oh, <laughs> and um, just, did, did you think when you're starting off uh, doing this that they would be that you'd be making sympathetic characters characters that people could almost and sometimes do root for well I mean when you think of a, a show like Dexter <laughs> which I watched all eight seasons of <laughs> the last the last episode was so disappointing but oh my God. Uh, God it was bad <laughs> but I mean when you think of uh, like a, a like a, a show like Dexter I, I mean if you take away uh, to me, I think it went, went a bit too far. Like in the first couple of seasons, it was an interesting concept, but they, they do make this character very sympathetic. Like you, 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 you know him and, and you like him, like you honestly like him and you like his motivation for why he's doing what he's doing. And I think there's, I think there's a part of that in all of us as humans, you know, that like we can, un, like we never cross certain lines, but we can relate to it. Like you can, yeah, you know, yeah, I could just kill that guy, yeah. you know, and and you would never do would it. Ever, anyone ever notice? Yeah, <laughs> but you and you would never do it. But I think there is there is an. I think the reason that we you know we relate to characters that do bad things is because there is elements of that in all of us, you know, and and I think that's how come we can relate to it. I mean, there's darkness in every single one of us, and. Uh, and I, it's similar to the heartbreak component, right? Like with, with uh, you know, I, I've done a lot of material like on River Sand. There's like, I do stuff that deals with depression and, and heartbreak and all these things. And people don't say like, oh, wow, your music depresses me. They actually say the opposite. You know, yeah. your music makes me feel good because I can relate. And I'm not the only person that feels this way. And I think that that, even with something that does seem as extreme as like a, mur a murder record, I think there's a part of it where people do relate to those feelings and yeah. uh, let somebody else walk, you know, walk the path. But certainly, you know, it's sometimes it's just kind of need to look and, and follow the story. Yeah. Well, I mean, no one murders anybody out of just like boredom. It's always out of passion. It's always love or it's hate and they create their own narratives. And I feel like that's something that we see on this album a lot is sort of, um, we see these characters, it might not be true. They might be unre unreliable narrators. They're constructing the story about why this happens or something like that. I think that's a real gift as a songwriter is to be able to create someone that maybe we don't trust them, but we, we're along for the ride. And I think, were you confident that you'd be able to write strong songs this strong going into it? Like this, this going that dark, that, that far down to the human psyche. Did you think, did you know you'd be able to pull it all off? Well, I mean, you get to a certain point um, as a writer, I think, and and you you just you just take for granted this is what I do. Um, like I'm I'm a writer. I'm a writer first, and so 
I always question whether any song is good or not. It's, you know, that moment when it's done. But there's always also part of me, like when I finished Cecil Hotel, I knew it was a good song. You know, because I've written enough songs and I've listened to enough songs to know when it is a good song and when it's not. Um, that doesn't mean I always know they're good or they're not. <laughs> like sometimes I miss, but for that, like a song like that, I I knew. And I think that this this particular project was probably the reason it was so appealing to me was because it was such a challenge. It's like, can I write seven great songs? Can I actually write seven great murder songs with intent? You know, with intent, and uh, <laughs> and it, yeah, and it and it really was a you know it was it was like a, it was almost like challenge accepted, and it it made it interesting for for me for like six or seven months of writing because you just like really sitting there saying you know am I up to the challenge of of being able to to rise above and 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 do something that is going to be at a level that I want to put my name on it, uh, but that is so specific. And it, and I, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty happy with the record. I think it achieved what I, I was attempting to achieve. You know, I didn't. It's not, it's not anything more or anything less than what I wanted it to be. Yeah, you killed it. <laughs> <laughs> we always have a bad pun in there somewhere. That's good. <laughs> Adam, anything else? No, man, I'm good. No, okay. Uh, we ask everybody who comes on here. Uh, one question and Adam hates it and I love it. Um, but a, I feel like in maybe life, we should ask it a different way. I feel like in life you can, you can separate everybody into two, into two, into two camps. Um, if you could murder one of the two artists. Oh, actually, <laughs> that'd be a good one. if you could, if you could murder one of the two artists, who would it be? Peter Gabriel or Phil Collins? Oh, I wouldn't murder either of them. You got to but you do I, a murder album, you got to murder one of these guys. No, I, I wouldn't, because each one of them has. You could write a song about murdering one of them. <laughs> one I would. It artist. would probably. It would, you know what? I, I would, if I if I were gonna kill. Oh off well, a no, because Phil Collins wrote a song about witnessing a murder. So if you murder him, it's like double meaning. That's I, how meaning works, right? You know what? Though I probably would kill off Phil Collins, but there's a reason for it. It's because every there, there was such a there was such a, like an anti Phil Collins thing. But it was his reaction to it where he's like, well, I'm going to retire because people hate me. At least this is what I had read, right? Okay, yeah. so this is what's, what was, was how he was positioned in the media. And I thought that that's where he lost me because it's like, dude, who cares, who cares what people think? Yeah. That was true. He did come out when he was retiring. He said, I, I didn't realize that what I was doing was going to get this popular. And that, <laughs> that just seems like the weirdest apology to people. Uh, it's like, sorry, you've liked me too much. But to roll over and show your belly, that to me is like, that's like, a, that's like, a, you know, give mur- it up. Yeah. yeah. So I've, I've lost. Yeah, I, I would stay with Peter Gabriel just on that one. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. You made this man happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This song is called "Swallow Me Up." Sitting on the front porch Been staring at me all day Every time he blinks I take a drink It's a game I like to play Nothing in this world Black feather and pearls Gonna make my life complete I've been digging a hair rock bottom And down another ten 
put me down Some days the dirt covers the heart Some days it weighs me down Black waters rise and cloud my eyes So lost I can't be found The hole in my pocket reaches straight down to my toes No mercy, not worthy Even the devil don't want my soul Put me down. 